Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Andre, and uh, we're back to talk about what it means to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. Welcome back to our second video. Uh, we've been recording the podcast for like a year and a half now, but in terms of video, uh, we're kind of progressing, and it's, uh, it's good to be back again. Today, we've got a special guest today. His name is Jake Locker, and his story is pretty awesome. Uh, it includes a lot of different twists and turns. Uh, he he in, it includes playing football here locally and then going and playing for the University of Washington Huskies and then playing in the NFL for the Tennessee Titans. Is that right? And then coming back to the Ferndale hometown life and being a business owner here. So what we're going to be you know seeing today and hearing is how God has led Jake and how God has been teaching him some amazing lessons along the way and things that we can pull for ourselves. So Jake, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to have this conversation because, like I was saying earlier, um, the goal uh, as we look at all of our lives and as we look at our testimonies of faith is to see what an amazing way, you know, it's the same gospel, the same story of Jesus, and it works in all of our lives in such amazing uh, ways. And so that that's the exciting thing. I, I think... Um, also for like my generation, our generation, uh, l- lately, I think one of the things that has been really helpful as we seek to grow spiritually is uh, examples, stories of people in whom this gospel is working. So that's what I'm kind of excited to hear more of um, in your life. So every story of faith begins way back, not probably at that moment of like conversion and when you, you, you had your Jesus moment, but like back into where you were raised, and into the home. So I guess I wanted to start off just to kind of hear a little bit about what it was like to grow up and uh, how uh, how your family influenced your faith in the early years. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think for me, um, as, a, as, as I look back and reflect on uh, my childhood, man, I was lucky. Um, yeah. I grew up in a great home. Uh, got to witness uh, a mother and father who... Um, uh, modeled what a uh, what a healthy marriage looks like. It wasn't perfect. Uh, it was right. healthy. Um, they pursued each other. They loved each other. They expressed that love for one another in front of us, around us, um, through us, and with us. And um, we got to see that uh, played out firsthand. And you know, I think that's something that uh, uh, you know, being married uh, eight years now and having kids of our own. Uh, man, I'm so grateful uh, yeah. to have got to witness that um, throughout the entirety of my life. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, to have, uh, um, you know, a mother who I believe was really faithful in prayer uh, behind the scenes, um, who um, carted us to anything and everything, but, you know, was was faithful to bring us to church and uh, to bring us to CCD and, uh bring us to these places in which um, we were introduced uh, to the King of Kings, you right. know, and, uh, um, you know, and then have a father who um, it wasn't a big part of uh, who he was and how he stewarded us. And, but, you know, so I think I say that from the perspective of maybe some of the verbal interactions we had, but then, you know, from the perspective of, um being unconditionally loved and knowing that, um, uh, having a father who cared deeply about you, um, who expressed his love for you, um, who uh, fought for you, who battled for you. Like Mm -hmm. that was my dad. 
Um, and so I think in so many ways, uh, um, he modeled the gospel for me yeah. uh, in such a wonderful way that as, as I begin to, uh, really explore, um, you know, the Lord really started to draw me to him and, and I started to see this heavenly father, um, that, for me, honestly, I just saw so many parallels between how my earthly father had uh, engaged me and 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 loved me and cared for me, as to um, what I was reading about uh, our Father in heaven. So, yeah, you, you know, know, not everybody can say that, right? Yeah, because I think uh, in in the last few years, as we have been growing in my family, in our community, in our church. Um, sometimes my, my parents and their generation kind of have, have these moments when they're like, well, your guys is, you, you're our kids and you guys seem to be a lot more um, maybe pursuing like biblical truth or reading or studying more. And we, what did we give you guys? And, and like my response always is like, no, you guys, you guys poured into us a foundation of love, of real piety, real honesty and real support that, that made the gospel so much more uh, understandable to us. Because mm-hmm. in a world of, like, broken families today, yeah. you know, to, for people to think about a heavenly father, it's actually a barrier because mm-hmm. their earthly father was such a terrible experience. Yeah. So that's a huge... No doubt. And the greatest way that you can draw closer to him is through intimate relationship. And, right. you know, how much easier is that to grasp when, when that's been your reality here on earth, that you have an earthly father that that you're close to and that you can grow closer to because of an intimacy of relationship. You're close to them. You've, right. you've been in proximity to them your whole life. Right. And, you know, in your formative years when you're young, that's their choice, not yours. And, you know, it was, it was a father choosing me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a mother choosing me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how, how much does that parallel the gospel? That's yeah. like, you know, yeah. the, the gospel story is we have a father that chose us um, before we even knew he chose us. Right. Um, and as we begin to really understand that, as we grow in maturity of our faith, uh, man, that's such a, it's such a, there's such a security in that. And there's such a comfort in that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm fortunate that um, I believe I got to experience that uh, in my family at an early age, uh, because of the love that they shared. Where did you guys go to church? Uh, was we went that like, to, yeah, we went to St. Joseph's, uh, Catholic church, uh, in Ferndale here. Was there like a big, um, Sunday school or, or catechism or like memorizing learning? Uh, yeah. So we had CCD on Wednesday nights, um, that we'd go to and, um, they, you know, when we were super young, uh, you kind of go up front at the beginning of the ser- beginning of mass, and then you go back to your classroom on Sundays, um, and you know you do you do uh, Sunday school uh, during service as well. Um, and then as we got older, you uh, sit with your family uh, through the whole service. Um, and yeah, so I, I think that uh, you know the the foundation of uh, faith um, was was established in that way. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, there were some things that I wrestled with. Um, um, when did that wrestling start for you? Kind of was it middle school, high school? Uh, when I got, yeah, when I got older, um, and, um, you know, started to explore, um, faith outside of 
just the Catholic perspective. Right. Um, and so, you know, it just, you know, like, okay, well, this personal relationship with God, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And, and how do you, you know, how do you cultivate that? I thought it was through the thought. I thought it was through your pastor. Um, you know, you go to confession to confess your sins and he, um, the mediator. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and, and I think some of that was misunderstanding for me, to be honest, as I've learned more on both sides as I've gotten older. Um, but, you know, I would say that uh, um, so much of my journey is defined by the, the the realization of God's desire and God's pursuit of me as an individual, um, and and the desire to be in uh, for Him to choose me to be in intimate relationship with Him, right? Um, and what that really means, right? When did when did sports start to play a big role in your life? Was that always, or was it like more in the high school years that it started to become a thing? Yeah, for, uh, it's, it's what I've wanted to do since I can remember. Um, you know, I, we have home videos, and even before I could remember, um, it's like our home videos are hitting, playing basketball, or you know, playing f- football with my dad uh, yeah. in the living room, and it's like you know, that's I always had some kind of jersey and sports hat on and you know that's that's just what I wanted to do I loved it I loved doing it from a young age and and I have my whole life I I just it was it was a place that I wanted to be I wanted to be on an athletic field and I wanted to be competing and I I really really enjoyed it yeah when uh when was there uh kind of more of a conscious uh understanding that hmm maybe sports is going to be more than just a, a fun thing I like to do but become more of a career or a bigger bigger calling in my life or uh, when did that happen? To be honest, um, in la- I think in large part until like uh, my junior year in college, um, you know, I, I had an opportunity to, to do uh, well in high school and have some different scholarship offers. And so that was neat. But, you mm-hmm. know, never was it like, oh, man, it's going to lead to an NFL career. You oh, know? okay. So that wasn't something on the radar. I was just fired up to play college football. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's cool. I'm that's cool. fired up about that. That'll be neat. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, when uh, my junior year, then it was like, you know, I started seeing mock drafts and seeing your name as a part of it. And it's like, whoa, um, that's kind of cool. Right. Um, so I guess that's for me when the realization that, you know, this could be something that, um, that, I do for a job. Right, right. So when we uh, when we met for coffee, you were also mentioning that this, for you spiritually, this time of uh, high school and then college was more of a kind of the time when God is really challenging your heart and mind, your conscience, and you're starting to wake up to the fact that, hmm, uh, my Christianity needs to be more defined. Mm-hmm. I need to clarify who Jesus is in my life. How did that process begin or work through those college years? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I was actually having a conversation with my daughter last night that I think sheds light on this, um, helped me to really understand uh, some of the disconnect that I saw as I was relating to God. And, you know, it was um, reading through the scripture where Jesus, um, I think he's telling uh, all or a few of his disciples, um, you know, some will come to the gates and say, hey, you know, Jesus, Jesus. And I will look at him and go, you know, um, I don't know who you are. Right. Um, and, and she's like, Hey, what does that mean? And, you know, as, as I really even had to wrestle with like, Hey, what does that mean? Um, I think it's the reality that, um, 
the devil multiple times in scripture testifies to his belief in Jesus. Like he, he believes in who he is. He believes he's the king of the world. He, right. he believes he, he is exactly who he says he is. He never denies that. He just chooses not to follow him. Mm. So he has this belief in God. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't deny God of anything that the, that the Bible gives him. He doesn't deny it. He just is actively Opposing, r- right? running away from him. Right, he hasn't right. repented and turned towards him. Right. And so, um, as I look at that, I think that's the part that, um, in my life, like there was always this belief in God. Like I believe in God. Um, and there was a feeling of like, that's a, that's, that's it. Um, right. I believe in God. Yeah. I believe in God. It was easy because then I could believe in God and serve my selfish ambition because right. I believed in God. Um, and what I didn't realize is the, really that, that important part of, um, sanctification of, of repentance and recognizing and realizing not only that God is real, but I'm in desperate need of, of what only he can offer. Right. Um, and, and I think that was the wrestle that I began to have, mm-hmm. um, having felt like I could do and conquer and provide what I needed to that point in my life and starting to, you know, everything was working out the way I wanted it to. And, and yet it was like, man, it's just like, okay, well, where's the, where's the real purpose in this? And, right. you know, start to ask yourself those questions. I think it's harder to answer from the perspective of, uh, from a selfish perspective, right. uh, because you inherently know that I don't get to control whether I make it home today or not. Right. Um, I can, to the extent that I can control my vehicle, Outside of that, I'm going to pass 100 cars, and I have no control over that person and what they do with their vehicle. Um, right. I have no control over the, if I, you know, pop a tire and swerve off the road. I can't, I can't control that, mm-hmm. um, and I know that as much as we'd all like to. Right. You know, when you really face the reality that um, so much of life uh, is outside of our control, I think it begs that you ask the question of, um, is believing in God enough? Um, or, or have I put all my trust in who he is? And those are, I think those are two very different realities um, that we can oftentimes blur into one. And, yeah. I, and that was the reality for me. Was, that, was there any contribution of maybe the increasing stress on the field and expectations from you that were kind of pushing into this and making you uh, see your need for God more? Did it, did it, did it, uh, intersect with your career or, or at that point it wasn't, it was playing for, uh, University of Washington. Um, was God using some of that pressure, some of those challenges there to kind of point you to him, his need? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it was really, uh, when that happened for me, it was really, uh, uh, when my wife and I, we got married, uh, and within a couple months we were pregnant and going to have our first child. Um, and so, um, it was my, we we're going to have a little girl. We found out we we're going to have a little girl and it was in March of, uh, the year my daughter would be born in that July. Uh, so March, April, May, June. So what five, we're about halfway through our pregnancy, I guess at that point, mm-hmm. um, we were at a conference and I had kind of started to, since my wife had got pregnant, you're going to these ultrasounds and, you know, Boom. hearing thing, this, right? like, holy cow, like, you know, you're going to be responsible for another, for a, 
a human being that's going to be fully dependent upon you. And, um, I think just really, um, starting to wrestle with so many of the questions that the, that the gospel presents in the reality of like, man, I, I chose, we chose, uh, to have this, to, to try to have a child. But even so much of that was like, we could do our part, mm-hmm. but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so how much do we really choose? Like, how much are we in control of that? And how much right. was it like, you know, it, it was, it was God's gift to us that, that my wife got pregnant and was able to give birth to our daughter. Right. Um, and so it just, I, I kind of started to see some of these, what I would describe as miracles in my life and how, how little of a part I played in it. Right. And then it, it started to beg the question of like, okay, well, um, you know, those are some of the things that I wrestled most with in the gospel was, um, you know, that he, he elected, he's chosen, he's, um, you know, he's in control of the universe. He's in control and, and of our, everything. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not. And that was hard. You know, yeah. just being real honest, that was hard for me as a, as a, as a successful, um, what I would have at that point, what I would consider like from the world standards, a successful alpha male, right. I wanted to be in control. Um, because that's what I saw the world like you should be. And and as ironic as that is, because at the peak of control in a worldly sense, right, you had all the control that the world could offer almost. And that's where you're realizing how little control you actually have. Totally. Totally. And so I think, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a blessing of, uh, God allowing me to be thoughtful and to consider these things, um, because it led me to, uh, to him. Um, and, and ultimately to, uh, the trust and surrender, uh, that leads to true worship of him, you know? And this happened, you said, so you guys were expecting, uh, your first daughter and you guys went to a conference, you said, was this the same time when that kind of, was there, was there a clear moment? Cause you know, some people, they have that clear moment when they're like, I surrender to Jesus and I'm a Christian today. And some people it's like less clear. God works kind of over time. Mm-hmm. So was that kind of more of a clear moment for you of, of change? Yeah. You know, surrender. I think both. And I think there, yeah, at that conference there, uh, the worship leader that weekend was Lecrae. Um, and he shared, uh, he shared before he sang his first song, you know, he kind of just shared about how he had, um, lived. Um, he was kind of, living one foot in each world, basically, like on the, he was on the fence. Um, he could be this guy with this group of guys, and then he could be this guy with his grandma and at church on Sunday, and he, he could play each one really well, but at the end of the day, he, was, he personally, and they may not have known, but at the end of the day, he had to face the reality that he was a different person here than he was here, mm-hmm. and who was I really? Who yeah. am I really? And ultimately, what what are you, what legacy are you leaving behind? What are you living for of any purpose or value? And I found myself kind of asking that same question to myself of like, am I the same person? Will I be the same person to my daughter that I am to, um, this friend and to my wife and to my sister and to my father and to this friend? Like, um, am I going to be, is there going to be a consistency in my character? Is there going to be a consistency in my hope? Uh, a consistency in my joy, um, 
What's on my lips? What's on my mind? Will there be a consistency across that? Because there wasn't at that time in my life. Yeah. Um, and I saw a problem with that uh, because it, it, to me, it really challenged. I didn't get to pick. I didn't get to pick which one I was. Um, that was up to um, those that were experiencing it. And so mm-hmm. what, what, you know, again, it kind of came back to this control thing, right? Like, what are you... What are you living for? And is it consistent um, with each and every person that you have the opportunity to interact with? And it wasn't. Was this uh, also like, were you already in the NFL? Were you playing for the Titans? Yeah, I played one year already. Yep, I played one year already. So it was, it was, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't play. We had Matt there. And um, so I got to kind of learn behind him for a year. And um, yeah. how was that scene, that whole stage and the whole NFL world? How was that as an experience for you in a nutshell? Um, it was all, I mean, it was a dream come true. It was something I wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of things that, uh, that are different than your perception of it, uh, whether it be as a kid or um, as a fan. I think the, the perception of it is different than the reality of it. Um, how, how is it different? Uh, it's a business. I mean, it's it's not it's not the it's not the uh, little league football team that we all played on. It's, yeah. That's not the reality of the NFL. Um, you know, there it's still the game, and I you know when get when you got to suit up and go play, man, that was awesome. Uh, but there's so much other stuff that goes into it um, that uh, you know that, that makes it different. It wasn't just a game anymore. It was your job, and with that came responsibility and. And burden uh, in a lot of ways, and so um, just trying to balance all that. Yeah. So how did uh, how did the whole transition out of that come? Um, yeah. Or you know, how did God lead you out of being in the NFL and coming back to Ferndale and yeah. living life here? Uh, you know, I was I, I had signed a four year contract with a fifth year option. The club had the option. Um, after my fourth year, they decided not to take the option, so I was a free agent, uh, an unrestricted free agent at that point. So. Uh, for me, I, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I had signed that contract. I was going to honor that contract. Um, and if there was a time that you were going to do something, this is the time. Right. Um, you know, you're not going to be leaving anybody in a in a position where, um, you know, you surprised them or anything like that. It's 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 a it's a good time. Um, and I just felt like the Lord was really calling me. Um, you know, I read this book that talked about um, priorities and and said, "Look, if we make our own priorities, there's there there. Um, if we sat down and made a list of priorities for ourselves, um, there'd be the selfish undertone in all of them. Um, no matter how good they were on face value, there'd just be the selfish undertone that we'd be serving ourselves some way through these priorities." So, so the only way that we can properly understand our priorities is to go to the gospel and look at what God places before us as priorities and then apply those to our lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, um, you know, I very clearly saw that as a, as a you know, pursuing him consistently. And, and that, you know, that was something that I, I wasn't doing mm-hmm. um, on a daily basis. It was, uh, um, it was pursuing my wife um, second to none. Um, and here on earth and you know that wasn't something I was doing well at mm. um, and then uh, it came you know with the stewardship of the role of, of a father um, and that not just your primary role not being a provider in the sense of bringing home money 
food, shelter, clothes. That's all, you know, I think that's all part of it. Um, but that you would provide spiritually first and foremost for your family, that you would be pouring into your wife and children, um, that you that you would be engaging the gospel of Jesus within your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't doing that. And so I think those are things that um, I saw as priorities and, and I wasn't doing. And um, so much of that was uh, was because I football had been a priority for me. And, um, and it was just one of those things that, uh, you know, there's so many people I watched do it well. And yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't balance that. Um, and so it was, uh, you know, in a way for me, I felt like uh, it was – you know, it was a, a place where I said, you know what, I, I'm, I got to turn from this and run to God. And, and that was, that was my answer. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's a tough move. Like, you know, because you're, you're four years in, that's kind of in many people's probably perspective, like just getting started or whatever. You have so many options. Um, was that a tough call when it came or was it by then that God has like shaped your per- convictions? You're like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Or was yeah. it like, oh, this is really hard. Like, how do I, I'm at a crossroads, right? Yeah, and, you know, I want to be careful that it's not like, like there was. there's nothing special about me right. that I made the decision and somebody else wouldn't, right? It's like, that's not it at all. Um, right. It's really in my weakness that, that you know, the, the Lord helped me to see um, his goodness mm-hmm. in and for my life. And I'm so grateful that he revealed that to me. And, and, you know, we talked about this when we had coffee, but, you know, um, it's only a tough decision because of how we idolize sport. Like right. It's only perceived as a tough decision because of how we idolize sport. Right. It wasn't a tough decision um, because it wasn't about me. It was about our Heavenly Father and how good He is and how how valuable the decision to pursue Him is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's one that I came to because God... God chose to help me understand that. And man, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, I sit here grateful for that because, um, it's in my lack of understanding, um, that I was given the opportunity to pursue him. Right. And he gives clarity when you became, when you were at your weak moment, he gives you clarity. Yeah. Yeah. And so, no, I mean, I, I, no, it wasn't like, you know, really wrestled that, you know, maybe a couple of years before I had, yeah. but at that point it was really clear. It was easy for me. Um, uh, I, I didn't have, you know, I didn't just take, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, I was just going to take one foot and kind of test this out. It's like, man, like, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, and the reason I ask is cause I think for you, it's the NFL or like doing just, you know, being a business owner here at home. Um, but for all of us, there's that, that crossroads and we all come to that moment I think or multiple times maybe in our life where it's like I know there's a conscious I'm at a crossroads where I understand that there's my selfishness that wants me to pull in one direction and uh, faithfulness in Christ call you know pulls me in one direction And, and sometimes people you know we struggle at those crossroads and sometimes it's clear that, you know, I'm being selfish here and Christ's calling is so much greater and his plan for my life is going to be the most joyful thing. Um, so I think 
just to, to for people to hear and re, and see that 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 crossroads wrestling match it exists for all of us and like and to see that um, it doesn't depend on how smart you are and how much you can calculate or plan your life. It's more about that position of submission and weakness and God gives clarity. Um, that's I mean yeah, that's really well said. I think it's it's not about um, and I think if you fall into the belief that I was able to understand this and so I did this. Um, you elevate yourself above others, and it's like you know, I'm like Paul, perfect. Like I'm the chief sinner. Yeah, you know, he says in Romans, like I'm a chief sinner. Well, what does that mean? Right. Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. God used him, spoke through him, in two thirds of the text that is our inspired right. New Testament, and he claims to be the chief sinner that that does what he doesn't want to do, and what he does do, he doesn't do. Right. What he wants to do, he doesn't do, and it's like. Well, I mean, is that the reality for us in our life? And, um, man, I pray it is. I pray every day that, that I don't lose sight of that, that um, um, it is truly in our weakness that we get to boast in our Lord and Savior because it is only about Him. Right. Anything we do, anything we may accomplish seemingly here on this earth, um, you know, one of my favorite books, I think, just to— as a reminder that some people don't like it, but it's Ecclesiastes and it's reading what Solomon has to say. Like by all historical accounts, he's the, he's the wealthiest person in the history of the world. And he writes a whole book basically about how like this stuff is vanity. Um, it's all for not, it's all going to waste away except God. Right. And it's just, I I think there's so much wisdom in that book, you know? And, And, um, it's not easy. It's not easy to read, right? It's not easy to read and and be be faced with the fact of like, oh, so many of the things that I'm striving for here on earth, they don't matter. Right. <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. I mean, as I sit here today, that's hard. Um, we want to see value and purpose in these things that we're striving for. And I think ultimately what the gospel is encouraging us towards is value and purpose is found in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And the, f- and the full and true worship of that. Um, and that comes with victory and defeat. That comes with um, joy and suffering. That comes with uh, freedom and pain. Right. And you can't separate them. You, yeah. there, there's not this perfect formula. Um, you know, you, you look at the, the, the 12 disciples, right? The ones that, that the first 12, Jesus chose himself. Yeah. Um, it's like, Oh man, you know, follow Jesus and everything's going to be great. And it's like, you got to understand what that really means. You got to understand that it's bigger than the context of this world because all 12 of that, well, 11, um, died martyrs deaths proclaiming the gospel. I mean, and it, a huge section of their story with Jesus was failing to understand him. And he's like, don't you understand? Don't you understand? Follow me. Yeah, leaving you know? him yeah. on the day that he's crucified. Yeah. Not one of them is there. The one that is denies him three times. Yeah, It's like, you know, I think we can get caught up in the idea of this prosperity gospel as well. And, and, and as far as it relates to this world. And that's just, you know, I, I don't think you see that. I don't, I don't see that. Right. Uh, the blessings are... are are not um, the success or lack of success that we'll have here on earth as you follow the Lord. I think it's it's uh, that we build our tre- like where our heart is, there also our treasure is, and we build up our treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Yeah. Um, 
And, and do we believe that? And do we live in such a way that that is the reality of our life? Yeah, I think there's that quote that's been going around from Jim Carrey where he says, you know, I wish everybody could get rich and famous so they realize that it makes you totally empty. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it's funny because we can admit it, but then experientially God has to lead us through to, to teach you. Like, your biggest question is not how do I get what I want. Your biggest question is to really think about what do you want. Because mm-hmm. we think we know what we want, but we don't. You know, like C.S. Lewis says, we're far too easily pleased. We're, we're, we're playing with, like the child playing in the mud and rejecting a holiday at the sea. You know, we get distracted running after things right here and now. We think that's going to make us happy. Yeah. And he's like, stop, look around, yeah. ask the bigger question. Oh, definitely. So, that's and, amazing. And it leads you to a place where you, uh, I think you really have to consider, you have to consider the, the real gospel message. Um, that centrality and totality is found in Christ. Mm-hmm. That you can't escape it. He is the main character, not you. Yeah. Um, and and I think so often to, in our in today's society that that is pushed back against because it's like, oh, that's um, restrictive and that's uh, there's no freedom in that. And it's right. like, no, that's the only place we can find freedom because we're surrendered to we're in 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 service of the creator of the universe, the almighty God that's made us co-heirs of his kingdom. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, think about that. Think about that. Like, that's amazing. And what greater treasure than to be co-heir to the universe? Yeah. What greater treasure? Um, Yeah, we get distracted with the temporary treasures of this world all the time, myself included. And so I think just, you know, to remember those things of like, you know, finding our identity and who Jesus calls us to be so important. Staying grounded in that, like, how do we do that? We go back to his word. Mm-hmm. We have to constantly be remind ourselves of who he says we are. Because right. that's all that matters. And if we don't, then we, we allow ourselves to be defined by the world. Right. Um, and by its standards, by its people. And... All of us who have done that and are thoughtful, um, all of those that that have considered the reality of that in their life, I think have come to a similar conclusion. Mm -hmm. Whether they believe in God or not, I think there's, I'm reading this book right now where it's so amazing how many um, uh, atheists, non-believers, will testify to the fact of like, until you realize that this, that, there's no meaning in utter despair in this world. Can you have any freedom or joy for life? Like, mm-hmm. if you think there's something greater, you have to let that go to have any kind of joy or freedom. And it's like, right. you know, that's not the gospel message. Um, but it is the reality of the, you know, like how um, how dark sin truly is and that we all engage it and interact in it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um and that separates us from the unity with the Father. Um, but the hope comes in in the gospel of like, well, Jesus provides the solution for that on the cross and through the resurrection, that he overcomes that eternally. Yeah. And it's our, it's our belief, it's our faith, and it's our repentance uh, to turn to him that, that allows us access uh, and, to that love. And it's so interesting how it's in that surrender where you realize, like Paul in Philippians 3 says, you know, everything I had, mm-hmm. gain, 
I counted as gain. Now it's loss. It's garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, you surrender that when you see the surpassing value of Jesus. But then after you discover the surpassing value of Jesus and his lordship in your life, you look back at everything else you have and you're like, wow, these things are wonderful gifts of him that I could enjoy and use for his glory. So it's like you you almost you get your whole life back when you discover Jesus as the Lord over it all, you know? So, so the things that were empty in themselves now are full of meaning and opportunity now to enjoy and to proclaim him. And they could come and go as he pleases. Right. And it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect my hope, my future, my joy, um, my security, any of those things. Right. Um, because they're not mine anyway. They're just, I'm just a steward of God's gifts, and therefore, I don't get to determine how long I have them or, you know, to what extent I have them. It's, right. it's, it's his gift in my life, and, and I got to treat it as such. That concludes part one of our conversation with Jake about how the gospel has been shaping his life. I found that very encouraging and interesting, and I think you'll also enjoy the second episode of this conversation. That'll be coming out next week. As I mentioned earlier in the show, this is another uh, kind of project for us in terms of starting the YouTube channel and uh, the video part of the podcast. Occasionally, we will be dropping video episodes of our conversations. Uh, This one's available on YouTube. Just check out the Well Said podcast on YouTube. Also, check us out on uh, Instagram and Facebook. That's another way we can stay in touch and you can give us feedback and send your thoughts in. Also, be sure to see well-said.org. That's kind of the online home of the podcast and the blog. There you'll find more resources, articles, and things like that. Also, you'll see there uh, the support tab. That's just an opportunity for you to chip in a couple of bucks and keep this thing going if that's something you're interested in. Uh, if you have a moment, check us out on iTunes in the review section and fill out a review. That helps other people find the show better. Thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Yeah.